Hello, 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 brothers and sisters. How y'all doing? This is Larry with Eric and Terrence. Another great episode of Black Financial Initiative. First, I want to thank everybody who's been listening. We really appreciate y'all taking y'all's time to listen to us. Please continue and, and tell your friends. I'm going to go ahead and pass it to Eric to let us know what this episode is about. All right, everybody. This episode is uh, another book episode that we have. Our all three read Poweronomics by Dr. Claude Anderson. It says the National Plan to Empower Black America. Um, and he was a, uh, a state coordinator um, of education uh, for Florida under Governor Ruben Askew uh, during the 1970s. He also ran um, a social reform campaign in Florida for Jimmy Carter. And um, after doing that, he was appointed uh, the federal chairman for a commission of governors for the Southeast states. And uh, in that position, which is really like the, it's under the U.S. Department of Commerce as assistant secretary, he chaired the commission, funded and directed economic development projects for the governors in those states. And so he knows kind of the ins and outs, especially of the South, the ins and outs of history of uh, like black history, uh, the education system, things like things on, on that scale, I'll say. Um, yeah, he's from uh, like what, North Carolina, I think. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Mm-hmm. And so he going through that, he knows all the various ways. Obviously, you need to know your history so you won't repeat it. Um, and so he goes through all that in this book. He talks about everything. <laughs> we will be given a very high level overview of it. You know, we would say going by the book pretty much, you know, to go really in depth and detail. Um, but starting it off just for everybody, our first, um, what did you think of the book? And I'll start with Larry. I thought it was really good. A lot of information. Um, and if you're taking notes, it's going to take you a while because it's I mean, so much good information. I thought, you know, it's a plan that was, I don't know when the plan was supposed to start, but um, I believe it was supposed to end in 2005, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Yeah. So it was, it was a plan to, um, to bring, first bring Black people together, work as a team. He uses a term here that I like. It's called ethno, ethno aggregation. And ethno aggregation is best defined as the voluntary concentration of individuals and the resources around their ethnic or language commonalities for the purpose of improving their economic and political competitiveness. And for the book, a lot of that is kind of what the book was for me, is really bringing Black people together. And instead of working individually, working together, bringing our resources together, our resources together um, for a common goal to improve financially. I mean, as, as we already know, we already talked about this several times that our net worth as a as a whole is just below everybody else in America. It really shouldn't be the case because we've been here longer than most other ethnics. Um, so these other ethnics are coming here and they're already starting with a leg up on us, even though we've been here for longer. Um, and the book details reasons why this is the case. You know, obviously slavery is, is one, one of the Jim Crow reasons. laws. Jim Crow laws, exactly. Yeah, different laws that us being slaves and then us being black, other ethnics, when they come here, they don't have to worry about that. Really, that I took that from the book a lot that to use our resources together and mm-hmm. to, to build up T- Terrence what you think man uh I loved it I, I love the book I think it's a book that um every pretty much every black person should should read <laughs> yeah um it should be taught if it's not in in all uh history of black America studies or courses anything like that high level uh, courses I think it's, it's really necessary for us all to kind of get really into it and 
Eric, as you mentioned, it's, it's a lot to unpack really in this book because uh, he does go into detail on a lot of things. He mentions uh, the history, kind of goes into the history of, of Blacks in America, uh, the history of our economic status, um, why we're at the state where we're at now. And it's a lot to unpack. And honestly, I think I need to, well, I will reread it because that's how good it is and how detailed it, get, it goes into it. Uh, but for me, I, I loved it. But, you know, I'm going to keep it 100. I'm going to say that at some points, it, it kind of made me uncomfortable. Uh, but it's, it, it keeps it real and yeah. makes you uncomfortable because some of it at high level when you first look into it, it's kind of eye-opening and it seems kind of extreme as far as his his plan and how we're supposed to get to um, the level we want to be at in Black America um, and his, you know, very upfront and staring racism in the in the face <laughs> and mentioning it and calling things out as they are. Like I said, it can it can be uncomfortable, the uncomfortable truth. And and like I said, they can be a little bit extreme when you first look at him. But he he does a pretty good job of making the analogies in comparison and and really comparing to other ethnic uh, groups That's and true. cultures and and races that come over here to America and, and saying that, hey, you know, even though you might be shocked by it, but this is the system and this is how others have, have survived and gotten ahead and a leg up on us. So it's not that bad. It just looks bad when we say that, hey, we want blacks to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, it, it, it can catch you off guard by, by that. But I, I, I try to, you, got, you have to keep an open mind when you read it. Um, I'm not saying that everything and every step in it is, it's going to be gold or straight from the Bible and you have to do it. Uh, but I'll say keep an open mind and, and read it and listen to what he's saying, uh, because it does make sense. And like Eric, like Larry said, he's talking about why we are at the state we're at and why we have this podcast and why we wanted to reach out to other blacks in, in America is because we know that we are in a spot that's behind and we know that there are some disadvantages. Um, so we wanted to try to bring awareness to that. And that's exactly what he's doing in, in this book. And he's trying to uplift and bring everybody together so that we can get ahead because it can't be done individually. And that's one of the key things he's basically mentioning is that basically what, what it comes down to is, is we have to work together. And that's one of the key differences from some of the other races. And why, as Larry said, that we have been over here pretty much as long as anybody. I mean, you, you take out the Native Americans and um, the Spaniards, Portuguese, whites that came after them is, you know, Blacks coming in and brought us in in droves as, as labor. Uh, but even though we were here longer, you have Asians, Hispanics, other European groups that came over later, you know, in, in the 1900s, early 1900s, whatever, when immigrants were coming over, came in and, and they have established themselves at a higher uh, economic status than, than Blacks. And he mentions and mentions that, and it's not to a way of excusing it. It's not making excuses. That's not what I got from it. He's basically just kind of explaining it so that we know what to look out for and we know how to address it. Um, but even though he mentions those reasons on why we're where we're at, the book is about overcoming it. So uh, I love it. And like you said, Larry, they came over and they look different from us. We look different from them. So that's one of the things that helps point us out 
um, that makes us kind of more of the outsiders, even though they're different immigrants, just like we were came in from the outside, you know, not uh, historically already here in America, this land we call America. Um, they, we have a darker skin, just, we look totally different from, from a lot of other groups. So it's easy to, to kind of point us out historically and, and kind of just have us as outcasts, a group on the outside. And, and that's what's one of the things that has made it harder for us to help catch up as well as we didn't come over here with a plan. Other immigrant groups come over here with a plan and, and it's intentional. We were brought over here against our, our will pretty much. And so you didn't, you didn't have a base to start with. You didn't have a plan. You didn't know how to come over here and make money. And, and you actually were, were brought over here to be slaves and make other people money. Mm-hmm. So that's how we got off to a bad, very bad start and had bad footing. And after that one, it was like, hey, you guys are free, so to speak. Um, there were still other things symbolically or uh, through the legal system that really kept us enslaved. So I don't want to go into too much too early on, but we'll, uh, I think we'll pretty much go into a little bit more detail on that as we continue. Well, that's the book right there. <laughs> this is the end of the podcast. No, I, I, I agree with what you, both of you all said. I mean, it's, it's very in detail. Like you said, I think this should be mandatory reading for every Black person uh, growing up. And I mean, I would say, the earlier, the better. I mean, I'll say by teenage years, you know, go ahead and get in the book, like get their mind already, already started. But it talks about, I mean, socioeconomic issues. It talks about like your, you know, how we're trained to think, you know, talks about finances. It talks about the history. Um, and it also brings, I think, into light how global it is that even, you know, it's not just here. Like we're not the only country, like it's, it's a global thing, you know? So in Brazil, they're facing the same thing. In South Africa, they're facing the same thing. Like it's a global thing and not, you know, only here, although his plan, his plan speaks to here, it's a global thing. But like you all said, I think that his main point is kind of group economics, like working together. You know, you need each other. We can't come out of this by with one person. You know, it's gonna be a group of us working together and being on code, like just knowing things like I, I see this person, we don't have to have a lot to talk about or say, but we just know like how we operate. You know, I think like it talks to only two black people. And you, you, you right. Yeah. You know, you hit them with the head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you already know. Yeah, we, you know, we together right now. We, yeah, we got to cover each other back. You yeah. know the plan. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's a lot of what it, uh, a lot of what it speaks to in, um, like you said, Larry, I think it's the plan was supposed to end in 2005. And so I think the book, was it in 2000? I forget when the book came out, but I know the plan was to 2005. Uh, let's see if I can find that. So 2001 is the copyright on here. So um, he put it out during that time. And I think for a lot of people, if you're wondering or say for a lot of black people, if you're wondering the why of things, he goes into a lot of the why. Like, this is why you may think that way. This is why you can't, it's harder to do this for us. And this is why, like he goes into a lot of that. And a lot of it's just, you know, history, knowing 
you know, this law was passed or they, they changed it. This was the law, but then they changed it to this. You know, he talks about a lot of these things and a lot of it, unfortunately, is still present day. <laughs> you know, it's it's just shifted, you know, name or shifted groups or something like that. So a lot of that is still present today. So the book, although it came out in 2001, is still current. It came out 20 years ago, but it is still current. You can still see what's happening today by reading the book. It's the exact same playbook. One thing that's prevalent, he talks about how they made immigration laws for non-blacks. He pretty much, and one thing, he pretty much puts everybody who's not black, that he calls them white or says that they're that the people are putting them in the white category now um, mm-hmm. or, or starting to head toward that weight. Like he says, non-Hispanics are starting to be considered white. He says certain Middle Eastern countries are uh, being considered white. He says, uh, you know, other Asian countries are being considered white in America now. Pretty much everybody who's not black, almost people are putting in the white category. But um, hey, check uh, check the census. Check the census of when you apply for a job and it asks for uh, what you identify. It's mm-hmm. basically whites. And it say what uh, black nut slash none Hispanic or something like that. And then, so yeah, that's true. Yeah, make sure you know that hey, you are black. You are, <laughs> right. I don't want no Hispanic uh, mixing. Like it's, it's really trying to show what the yeah. difference is. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. But he talks about how there are immigration laws to bring these different immigrants into America, like to make it easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But make it harder for black immigrants. And we see what was happening with the Haitian, Amer- uh, excuse me, the Haitians who were trying to come into Texas mm. um, recently. You know, they were showing him, I think they had whips and everything like that. So uh, we even to this day, we see these laws are still, you know, they're still intact. So. Mm-hmm. And they had, you know, it's, act, you know, they act like there's nothing they can do at the border. But when the Haitian immigrants come, you got planes lined up, ready to go, <laughs> ready to ship them back. I was like, you know, it it just goes to show you, you know, when when you got that skin tone, it's a different vibe. That's right. Yeah, and and one thing to another level um, goes even even deeper on what he what he was trying to convey in this book, and really key on is that black Americans, you know, the mm-hmm. um, the uh, original. Uh, kind of blacks that were brought over here and descendants from slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he even goes into that to kind of really point that out and, and stress the differences. It's like, you know, our our brothers and and he can speak to this, you know, <laughs> the right. African, African immigrants that are now current coming over, uh, but are not descendants from slaves. Like he's kind of put that in a different category as well, even though we look the same, mm-hmm. like it might face some of the same barriers or problems that we have to overcome systematically coming from the root and the things that were in place it has affected the kind of historical black americans a little bit more that are descended from the slaves because like i said earlier we did not have a plan that group did mm-hmm. not have a plan we're brought over here without a plan immigrants today coming over regardless of skin tone even though you might have well do not might but do have other barriers <laughs> at least uh coming over with a with a plan uh that's mm-hmm. why you see that you know like true africans that are coming over still can for whatever reason still succeed or apply themselves a little bit better when you just look at the numbers just call it what it is you, you have more of them come over and be doctors or or lawyers or or whatnot and and it's like, well, we look the same, but at the same time, you're coming over with the plan and haven't been 
uh, affected by what the policies have already been and made you grow up into while over here. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it is just a little bit of a, a difference in what he's trying to portray and who he's really trying to speak to. So I say that just to mention that, you know, just to really stress that he's really speaking to Black America, not mm-hmm. just not just all Blacks, but Black America. To that point, um, even like you said, if African immigrants come to this day, they didn't have 400 years of slavery. And um, mm-hmm. one of the things that he kind of compares it to is a prisoner of war. He, 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 he compares uh, Black Americans to prisoners of war and how they were uh, broken down in psycho- psychology or, uh, you know, in your psychologically, mind. Psychologically, yeah. Psychologically, yes, um, over, over years and how that kind of just, just messes up your mindset or could mess up your mindset uh, going mm-hmm. forward. To, to Terrence's point. And I, I agree with uh, both of y'all. You know, it's, I think that, and I think that's like the key difference. Like you said, we have, you know, just for one, I mean, we have the same barriers. Like, you know, the cops want to stop, you know, the African guy just like us, you know, they don't really care. But like, as far as like the mentally, the mental state, like, you know, a lot of them don't have that history. You know, there's no, you know, several years of broken families, se- several years of systematic laws, several, like it's, you know, they have things that they face yeah, back home, but it's not to the degree like we're faced. And man, I think we hit on this a little bit in probably our very first episode when we tried, when we wanted to speak on why we were making this podcast, why mm-hmm. it was formed and founded. And we spoke a little bit on that, that systemic kind of racism and, and mm-hmm. how it has affected and impacted us all these years later. And it was, like we mentioned, it was the master plan. Like they yeah. could not have have imagined how well it was going to work mm-hmm. uh, to where centuries later, it's still ingrained, unfortunately, into our minds and mm-hmm. still impacting us because it's generational. Uh, yeah. because, you know, the, the plan initially from the start with slavery was to break up uh, homes. Mm-hmm. It was to, you know, or if you were to keep the home together, that was because it was still psychological warfare uh, because you wanted to you wanted that whole family to be there and, and motivate each other not to run away. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you, you had they played that game like, OK, well, we need to break them up or nope, it's going to benefit us to keep them together at this particular moment mm-hmm. or, or putting each or putting people against each other where if you ever read. Uh, Douglas, Frederick Douglas. If you ever read his his book, The Diary, I forget what it was called, but he, he talked about, you know, and this was a, a former slave um, that ended up being, you know, eventually escaped it, becoming educated um, and retelling the story and, and fighting for abolition of slavery. But in his book, he, he talked about how slaves would would fight for their owner, you know, basically they would get into fights over, oh, well, my, my owner treat me like this, you know, my, my owner mm-hmm. does this, so I get close, like, put, putting each, you know, that's that mental game where you, you're, right. you would give a little bit of something and take away a little bit of something and, and, and kind of put it, putting each other against each other, uh, put the two slaves against each other. And then it just, because you can't be united. If they can't unite, they can't overcome. Uh, and that's what we're still seeing the effects of today is that we do not unite. And that's the point of this book is he's really trying to unite us and say that, hey, we need a plan. Our problem is we didn't have a plan and now we need to form one um, mm-hmm. and come together, help each other out and keep our finances within our group. Because individually, we will never 
ever be able to compete with another group. One mm. person cannot beat out a whole other group. And he says that because he, he uses analogies and he points to other races for a ton of examples. And he says that all the other groups will stick together. And, and it seems at first kind of shocking, like, man, why are you saying all this stuff? It seems borderline racist, but it's, it's real. Like you yeah. have the China, <laughs> the Chinatowns and you can, everybody probably knows the, the neighborhood or whatever. If you go to a big city anyway, or at least even a decent size city, it doesn't have to be big, but you have whole subsections mm-hmm. that are basically, uh, you know, all Chinese, Vietnamese, Philippine, all Hispanics, uh, little Cuba, little, you know, and, and, yeah. like that. <laughs> and they, and they pull their resources together. We, we don't do a good job of that uh, because we will, even if we're all grouped together, we don't necessarily pull our resources together. We will leave that group and go spend money elsewhere. So mm-hmm. he, he's trying to really highlight that and say, we got to do better. And he, he says that one of the reasons that was was because we were trying to decide if we should do integration or segregation. He says mm-hmm. other groups, they, they don't do either. They, they um, or they do both of them. They do what's ever best for the, uh, at the time, I guess. So mm-hmm. um, instead of instead of integrating, and the thing is, once black people get successful um, or get more successful, you know, we leave from the black uh, communities or black neighborhoods, really, because he, he talks about we really don't have communities. We have neighborhoods, which neighborhoods is just a just a physical. Uh, yeah, it's just more of y'all here than yeah. anybody else. Yeah, we're, we're not we're not owning anything in these in these neighborhoods. You know, we're not actually spending money in these neighborhoods. We just sleep there. But um, but he, he says that once we you know get more successful, we leave um, our neighborhoods and, and go to these white neighborhoods and we spend mm-hmm. all our money there. Um, we don't we don't really uh, put money back into the black communities. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that was one thing. You made a good point, too, Terrence. I like how you brought it to the podcast, which you did that with our debate, too. Um, but um, <laughs> so <laughs> the objective of the podcast was to have actionable steps, you know, better our community. And his is, he has a plan. It's, it's, it's a, the national plan to empower, empower Black America. So it really does kind of go hand in hand with our podcast. Yeah. And this has a series of <laughs> actionable steps. Like, yeah. you know, it has several things that you can do. And I think like we've hit on several times, at least to me, one of the biggest things are like the, the mental stuff that he brings up. Like, this is why you think that way. This is why you know, we are like this, basically, is kind of, you know, what it gets to. And he mentions, once again, actionable steps of, you know, this is what it is, you need to change that behavior. This is what it is, you need to change this thought process, you need to change this. And I'll say one of the key takeaways that I got from it was um, the wealth distribution or our ability to obtain wealth has not changed, (laughs) like, since since we've been here and I'm like reading this chart, he said in, in 1860, the eve of the American Civil War, we owned half of 1%. 1896, the end of the Civil War reconstruction, half of 1%. <laughs> 1920, the Great Migration to the North, half of 1%. 1960, the Black Civil Rights Movement, half of 1%. I'm pretty sure if we came up with one right now, it would be the same. You know, so it kind of gets into, I think we believe that we're we're moving in, we're better right now, but really in the grand scheme of things, you're in no better place. You know, you may have more conveniences now, 
Like, you know, hey, I can get a house, I can get an apartment, or I can drive down the street, but literally overall it's not really changed. You know, the wealth has not has not changed at all. The wealth, I'll say the wealth distribution, the wealth shift, you know, is we're not gaining any ground. Yeah. You know? That's that's exactly right, man. And uh like you said, we're not gaining any ground. And we might individually someone might. Oh yeah, right. Uh, yeah. But but what he's focused on, what he's saying is that as a group, mm-hmm. we are still cumulatively only holding that half of 1%. Um, and the focus is really, like you said, he, he's talking about individual changes. But for the most part, that individual change is part of a greater purpose, and that is for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so he talks about, and Larry, you mentioned it, where he talks about integration. And it's basically and that's one of our our great achievements and milestones in black history is is integration and and we love and appreciate um dr martin luther king for his uh civil rights movements and and progress in that but um in this book he's basically kind of saying that integration was one of the things that hindered us ultimately Mm -hmm. because at because our focus so much was on getting a piece of the pie and what he's saying is is we need to bake our own (laughs) so (laughs) so we we were so focused on hey you guys won't let us have any of this um we we need to you know can you share some of it and he's saying forget that go make your own focus on your own group get your own flour get your get your own fruit and preserves get your own sugar and then bake your Mm -hmm. own stuff uh, so that's what he's basically saying. And that's just kind of an analogy I, I, I put it as and how I saw it. And he points to the other races like he does several times in the book. And one of them is Jews. And he says they protect and strengthen themselves by building Jewish buzz and tight knit communities. Um, so he says, look at now, that's just one group and he, that he points to several times. He points to other groups as well. Uh, but I'm going to go down a few more pages just from the notes that I took because he says this is layered throughout, speckled throughout the uh, the book from page mm-hmm. to chapter to several pages later. It comes back up and I'm going down. That was like on page 28, that last little quote I just came up with or just pulled out. And then I'm looking at page 50 now. So we go down several pages later and this is pretty much the same thing. He says, Jews tried integration in Europe in the mid 19th century. It didn't work, right? Uh, And he said, being separated, they became self-reliant. So he's saying that people will try integrating. He said, Jews tried integrating. And ultimately he said, hey, this isn't working. Uh, This other white group does not want to accept us or religious group does not want to accept us. We need to kind of build a barrier on our in our own and form our own communities and support each other and and then you look at them as a group and, and overall it's successful so he's saying don't focus so much on the integration part and focus on us building communities and and helping each other uh keeping that money within the group within your neighborhoods well not neighborhoods but communities going on a little bit more he basically says the opposite for us Page 72, he says, Blacks are too individualistic. Mm-hmm. So if he's saying that, hey, these other groups are succeeding and prospering because they're working as a team and trying to help build each other up, but we're doing the exact opposite, then that's the problem. 
So mm-hmm. that's really the uh, one of the focuses here is is working as a group and trying to help not have that that crab in a barrel mentality, mm-hmm. which is what we might or we all can attest to seeing at least once in our lives. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, going more into your uh, Jewish analogy or the information he said about Jewish people, he had an example. And I don't have it in front of me exactly, but he pretty much said young Jewish children they teach them at a young age that there's something that you need somebody in your Jewish community can provide it for you. Like, mm-hmm. don't go out to the other communities to, to you know, get something, go within your own community and you, you keep that money in that community. Uh, something that I think we can learn from. And yeah. I mean, you know, I, yeah, go ahead. No, and I was gonna say on, on top of that, it talked about that they're also taught of how good of a people they are. Like, you know, you're strong, you're proud, you're this, like, you know, based like affirmations and encouragement to where they don't think negative of themselves, you know, which I think also helps, you know, go along with what you just said. Yeah, Larry, what you just mentioned was something I had keyed on also um, <laughs> because he, he put he said that on page 102. He said Jewish schools will teach cooperative economics is what, okay, what he calls it, cooperative economics. It says whatever they want to buy in life, somewhere there is a Jewish person that makes or sells it. So, he, so it, yeah. it tells them in the school, like, hey, and that started you know. from a young age. Yeah, <laughs> whatever you want to do, whatever you want to go get or you need, there's some there's a Jew out there that can get it. For <laughs> right. So, but yeah, we don't yeah. we don't do a good job of teaching that. We will, hey, go get it. And and actually, it's the exact That's opposite it. in our culture. Is we tell ourselves sometimes that, man, if it came from their brother, you know, I'm like, <laughs> right, you know yeah. hey, I know this this white man or this Jew right here got some good stuff. Yeah, got mm-hmm. you know a good product. That's high quality. So we tell ourselves not to get it. He, mm-hmm. he had that example of the ice. I don't know if you guys remember the, the ice. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. There was a, I think it was a, maybe a liquor store or something. There's two ice uh, places where somebody could buy ice from. One was owned by a white person. One was owned by a black person. He goes to the black person's uh, ice machine. And for whatever reason, he didn't buy it. I don't remember what the cost was. I don't know if they were identical in cost or not. But then he decides to go to the white person's and buys that. He says, I don't remember what he said. Was it colder? He said, he said yeah, something he about said the ice was, was better. It was too lumpy. The black ice oh, was yeah. too lumpy. But it was yeah, the same identical. brand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and that's, and, and, and I believe the book talks about this too. That's, once again, going back to the 400 years of slavery, going back to Jim Crow laws, the media, like we were trained that white people's stuff is better than black people's stuff. Other countries, when they come here, they're, they're not taught that, but that's what we are taught. Um, mm-hmm. The media is a, is a big deal, which, which you bring in, put into your mind really does affect you. Yeah, and that's part of that lack of wealth distribution. Like, because he's not purchasing for him, there's yep, no wealth exactly. now that that owner can get. Like, it's, you know, if enough people do that, now the owner has to shut down. Like, it's just a continuous cycle. Exactly. And I don't want to talk about education too much because we're, education obviously is a huge deal. Um, but he, he, he has a whole chapter talking about education yeah. and mm-hmm. how that within the, the black neighborhoods, we're, you know, they're underfunded, really not teaching us. I think one example was uh, in Detroit, where it was like 98% black children. Mm-hmm. But the people who are running there are white people, which just makes no sense whatsoever. Right. Um, and in these black communities, um, what he wants us to do is to actually teach tangible information that we can use um, to, to better our communities, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I don't know, just an example I saw on Facebook recently. Somebody said, I'm 30 years old. I've never used Pythagorean theory in my life. 
I'm not saying not to teach that Pythagorean theory, but I, I think he's saying uh, what he would say is, well, you might not use that. That might not be something that's tangible. Let's use something that we can actually use um, to make you know money and educate our uh, community to better our community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one last thing on the wealth distribution for me, he also has a chart in here that talks about like the cycle of wealth. And it starts with natural resources, which are like land and minerals, uh, precious metals. Then it goes to slavery and human labor. Then it cycles to technology and labor saving machinery. So like the kanjin, you know, anything, cars, all that stuff, you know. Uh, and then like assembly lines, like all those machineries. And then being that this was written and <laughs> published in 2001, the next cycle is information and manipulation of symbols. And if you see like information is the thing that's exchanged now. In 2001, as far as I know, that's before Facebook and like any information kind of any social media, I'll say like that I can think yeah. of, you know, so he kind of already knew or saw that cycle kind of coming that that was going to be the new, I guess, kind of currency was information that was going to be the new, the new wealth creator. And then after information and stuff, it cycles back to natural resources. So he said that's, that's the next thing. Yeah, that was, um, like you said, like this book came out, what, 20 plus years ago? Yeah. And, and right now we're in that information uh, stage, basically, in technology. And, and mm-hmm. he was basically ahead on it, like saying that, hey, black folks, this is the, the era we're in now. And it's going to be booming for a while. But then after that, it's going to go back to labor. So let's try to stay, stay ahead instead of us trying to keep playing catch up, which is basically right. what we've been doing. But real quick, I want to go back kind of to the statement I was talking about earlier because I found one of the excerpts from the book, which I think that will speak to it better than than I did. <laughs> so said the civil rights movement of the 1960s was destructive to urban black communities in many aspects. So that's what I was talking about earlier, where he said that uh, basically integration may have impacted us or hindered us a little bit more because we lost focus on ourselves. But he says Black America would would have been much better off had the movement equipped Blacks to be their own job and product producers rather rather than the seekers of the jobs and products of others. If Blacks had become production-oriented rather than the consumption-oriented, there is little likelihood that today they would have had hidden national unemployment rate of 34% and live in neighborhoods rather than communities. Today, black neighborhoods are totally independent or totally dependent upon whites and other competing groups to supply the products, services, and employment needs of black neighborhoods. So uh, basically to, to his point, just reiterate, he said that we became too reliant on other groups and hoping that hey, we just need to be included and you guys need to be inclusive of, of us uh, when really it should have been what he's saying is forget that, just build your own, don't worry about others. And you look at um, as far as the consumption and producers, um, there's a need and, and, and for anything in Black America, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and we don't do a good job of capitalizing on it ourselves and we can just produce it for for each other um, but mm-hmm. we're too focused on getting it from someone else and the other groups see that hey that's an opening man they, they lose off they down <laughs> you know out they damn mind <laughs> you know so so you go to the um neighborhood 7-eleven the corner store liquor store the uh go to the 
uh, go to the hood and you go try to buy some extensions or whatever it is or the urban gear <laughs> and who's running the store who's at the front i, I guarantee they not black and if they are black it goes back to what i was saying earlier they they african it's real african you know <laughs> not not african-american they african african-african uh but nine times ten it ain't that either it's they mm-hmm. they not black but so the other groups will say and see that there is an opportunity and capitalize off of our misfortune, our ignorance, whatever it is, and say that we can come in and supply what they need because they're not going to buy it from each other. And they mm-hmm. will set up shop in our own neighborhoods and make money off of us and we'll go hand it to them. Yeah, yeah. he says uh, immigrants, when they come, to, to America, they strategically go close to black neighborhoods um, and then they'll build up businesses in those neighborhoods and, and make money off these neighborhoods while we're here living here for however long and we're not doing the same thing. Like you said before, these other immigrants, they have plans when they come here. Um, we don't necessarily have a plan. Uh, we, we were forced here, so. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of goes into the, another thing we talked about earlier, like group economics. You know, that's like the, the bare bones of it, you know, like you just said, they'll, they're able to build communities, are able to build businesses in our communities, which we'll use, but they're not going to live there, you know, they're going to go live with their people, they just make money off of you, that's, that's the purpose that you serve, or that we would serve, you know, make money off of us. Yeah, and um, one uh, word that I like a lot is reciprocation, Um, at some point in time in this book, he talks about, well, if, you know, we need to keep other ethnics, you know, and we, I'm not trying to say anything bad about the ethnicities, but we need to keep them accountable. If y'all gonna come into our neighborhoods and everything, y'all need to spend money with us too. Like if you're not gonna spend mm-hmm. no money with us, then, then, you know, we need to come with a, uh, come up with a different uh, plan. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so as far as a lot of the messages he, he says in a book, like, man, it's a kind of a punch in the gut, you know, slap in the face and you kind of get a, a you know, feel some type of way, but he's, he's trying to keep it real and let us know that mm-hmm. no matter how much he, and I don't want anybody to, to read into this and read the book and think that, oh man, this guy must just be a, a racist because he's talking about all these other races and, and talking about racism and, and making up all these ex- excuses. But man, no, you, you're reading the wrong story. Uh, you're not getting the right message because just as much as he's talking about that, He's talking about accountability within our own culture. He's saying that like, mm-hmm. hey, this is this has happened. This will probably continue to happen. Uh, but this is what we're doing that is not making it any better. And actually it is, is making us continue to stay in the same rut. And mm-hmm. we need to form a plan and follow the plan and do things better on our own. So yeah, he, he might be saying some things that might offend others. Uh, pointing out and actually calling out other races and things like that, but he's doing the exact same to our own. Yeah, and I think that's a part of the thing you said earlier. Like it's you know, tough to read. You know, you wonder if if you are part of that. You know, you you know we see. You know, you can read it and say, "Man, I, do I engage in that or do I do that same thing?" You know, it's kind of like a gut check. And then for the the races that he talked about, a lot of times he's <laughs> upping those right those races. Like, hey, look look at what they do. We should be doing. Yeah, that. Uh-huh. You know, it's not like to a detriment. He may say, you know, this is maybe how 
they were able to do it or maybe this law or something helped them. But for the most part, he's like, look at what they're doing. We should be doing that. And then you, you're exactly right. And he's saying that basically what they're doing is they're doing the right thing. Right. So, they're doing the right thing. Yeah. To, to your point about uh, him being racist going back, which we always we said he's not, obviously, but he says um, true racism exists only when one group holds a disproportionate share of wealth and power over another group, then uses those resources to uh, marginalize, exploit, exclude and subordinate the weaker group. So he says black people cannot be racist because we're not doing this. Going back to your to your um, point about racism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he basically says we're not in position to uh, to be racist or to hold any other group down. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Real quick, within our black community, I do hear I use hear the word culture a lot, um, and culture is a big deal in, in this book too. I'm going to read um, here. It says, "Culture's most important function is to promote cohesiveness." and trust that bind members together through values such as group loyalty, pride, and respect. It is through culture that members of a group know who and what they are and how to behave. So I think that's something that we kind of do lack as a, as a Black community. It's, it's really a, a culture. Um, mm -hmm. I always hear the rappers say, you know, do it for the culture, stuff like that. But um, I don't know if we really, um, as a community, really actually have a a true culture. Right. That's more of a tagline, I feel like, more something yeah. convenient to say. <laughs> You know, rather than like really being on a code, like on a key, like like you mentioned, like uh, what was the thing that T mentioned earlier, like the the Jewish kids are learning in school. Yeah, you know, this is how we operate <laughs> as a people. You know, I don't care what society is telling you. This is what we do. This is how we operate. So there's so much more confidence in that culture, that people, whenever they meet each other. You know, much we don't have to discuss stuff. <laughs> we already know. I know how you train. I know how I'm trained. You know, we we can get it popping. At a young age, you know, they're taught. You know, at a young age. So I'm like, you know, if we're not, I would think a lot of times we're not doing that. You know, for the most part, we're probably just going to school, you know, teach, you know, American history, whatever, going through that. And then, you know, any other teacher may be more so like the church. Yeah. And then that's probably about it. You know, there is no probably real black history you're going through. There's no, there's nothing like that, you know, most likely. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, um, again, kind of the kids, uh, Jew Jewish students growing up and what they're being taught. So it basically still goes back to education, which I know we're focused more on the finances, but that's part of it is we want to educate them early on how to manage their finances and, and build up a stronger culture to where they can get some finances. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> um, just on that, on his section about education, he says that well, one statement that kind of goes with that, the uh, old adage that he used was the way the twig is bent, so the tree will grow, uh, mm -hmm. which I, I love that it basically says that you bend it early on and that's the way it's going to end up growing <laughs> up. And, it's, and the same applies to the children and the youth is whatever we show them early on is how they're going to end up uh, is going to stick with them as an adult. Um, so mm -hmm. that's exactly what we're saying about the Jewish students where they're telling them, hey, if you want it, you need it. There's a, another Jewish person that can supply it to you. Uh, but we don't do a, a, great, a good job at all of teaching that to black kids. And then he also says to develop a vocational and apprenticeship program that links school and work. Um, mm -hmm. So as far as the education, I think that's a, a great thing. It's not just focus on education solely. 
Mm-hmm. Because that's one of the things we do uh, do is when we do talk about our, you know, the children and the youth, we tell them, hey, get a good education, get a good education, go to college. Um, and that's if we're even saying that much. But if we're saying that much, right. that's, it basically stops there. But he's saying that it's not just enough to have an education. We also need to um, learn how to do the work. So he's saying combine the vocational and the apprenticeship program that links the school and the work, because what we're doing when we focus solely on that education like this, we're just producing more kids that grow up to be adults that work for someone else. And the problem is we don't have our own. We don't own our own. We need to do a better job of producing people that can provide and own work and own something. So and then he mentioned another thing that I love, which was. Uh, adopt a black school is what he said the same way you see the signs on south road says adopt a highway which mm-hmm. by the way uh, started and initiated and was uh, originated in texas uh texas was the first state to go with that uh, adopt a highway and then it spread mm-hmm. out to all the other states and and globally where other uh, countries are doing adopt a highway or anything but i just had to throw that out there real, real quick and actually that started in uh the first one was adopted in tyler texas by the way uh, East Texas, Texas, East Texas yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, I mean, I think that's great. It says adopt a black school because our nationally, uh, historically black schools are not kind of utilized as they should be. So we said, why, why not take ownership and pride in those schools and adopt one and help fund and sponsor? So I, I love kind of that focus on education he did during that chapter. Yeah, and he said education really hasn't helped black people at all. He he said that um, he said that we I think after uh, Reconstruction to a certain point we became very liter- uh, more literate than we were before. Like uh, we had very little literacy rate, uh, rate, and then we became more literate. So you know that was a, a big accomplishment. But as far as our economics go or our finances go, we might be getting more educated, you know, in a traditional sense. But it's not it's not doing anything for our finances though. So right. that's why he wants to have a more, uh, you know, a better plan for our education, you know, going back to what Terrence was saying. And I think that's a, I think that that's a big point, I think, too, because that, that was also part of that chart, like that wealth ownership chart. It was like you said, most, you know, most were illiterate. Then like within 30 years or so or something like that, like majority, well, like a large majority was literate, but the wealth hasn't changed, like nothing else has changed. And so matter of fact, even during that time, we've become less self-reliant, you know, less group economics, like it's kind of deterred in that way. Um, so, you know, we wonder, I think about like what, what has changed, you know, it's like once you're able to read more, you know, you should be, you know, learning more basically. But, you know, this, I think this helps in applying the knowledge, like what you should be doing. But, you know, I think the even though you learn more and can read more, you know, the mental aspects of slavery really really shows you how much how hard that is to overcome yeah so, so let, let, me, let me ask you y'all this um i guess from this book um i would say one of the main things i got that could actually help us financially was the ethno aggregation like i said earlier about that i, I you know there, he also talks about vertical integration so things of that story what, what would you guys say you know we could take from this book to help our community you know financially uh, for me, I would say, and it's probably along what you're saying, like the group economics aspect, but thinking of whenever you want to do something, reaching out and seeing if there's a black person that does that. Okay. You know, whether that's, I don't know, a, 
a daycare or you want to remodel your house or you want to, and it's even down to like, like uh, uh, selling cars. Like, okay, yeah, I may go shop at the Ford dealership, you know, look for the black salesman, <laughs> you know, do like little things to help out, you know, like yeah. that is what I would say, you know, cause that's something that you can, you know, literally do like enact right now. You know, it don't take time to do that. Like, if you want to go buy a car, you can go buy the car right now. You want to remodel a house, you know, just get online and search, you know, see if see if you can find something just black on. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And and on the surface, um, that seems kind of like you can you can imagine someone saying, like, oh, man, some, some white guy busting out. Man, that's racist. You know, <laughs> but, hey, <laughs> hey, man, this, this is exactly what and what he's saying in this book, Dr. Claude Anderson, is that's what other races do and we just don't call it out for that we don't call it out for exactly what it is but we will when it's when it's black people doing that uh but that's where the term by black comes from is and that's why it's because we do not we are at a deficit at doing that so mm-hmm. what it's saying is to do it basically as much as as other people are doing it um so that's that's all it's saying is basically we need to do that as much as other groups are doing it because naturally we are telling ourselves to go buy white basically you know another uh asians will go to you know another group or keep within their group and say that hey go buy this person or whatever so it's telling us to do exactly as others are doing and help support each other so it's not to discount or dismiss anyone else it's to help uplift each other um so i mean i can appreciate it and actually i i, I try to keep that in my see I try to keep that in mind today because we're reading the book and and I'm trying to practice what I preach. So I got up this this morning, grabbed the baby and we went and got donuts. So actually, I didn't get donuts. I got uh, the sandwich from the donut shop, but it was a black owned shop. So, <laughs> right, I, was, yeah, so I had to <laughs> had to support, had to support. I mean, got to start somewhere. I mean, it's a small thing, but you have to start somewhere. So I'll say that that's one of the key takeaways, too, is I'll. I agree with that. And then also to just keep in mind and think of what we see other groups doing. That's, I think that should be another key takeaway too, because he mentions it several times in the book, numerous times in the book is comparison to other races. So let's, or other groups, other ethnic groups. So let's think about what they're doing and saying that, Hey, maybe we can do it that way as well. Mm-hmm. You just keep your eyes out, you know, watching for what they do. You know, and also to, you know, teach your kids, have them read the book, you know, when they when they're 13 or something, 14, you know, get them get them trained so they don't have to, you know, they don't have to worry about it when they get old. Like it's already built into them that that's what you do. And I'm not going to take the time to read this because it's pretty long, but chapter five has um, economic action steps. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe it's 10 steps. So if you please go read the book, please, Um, please. Please, because I mean, it's so much information. It's I mean, we would we'd have to be here for hours. And um, sure. but it has ex- economic action steps. Like I'll just read step one: create an alternative economic economy within Black communities. And, and just there's more steps. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that was a, a good chapter uh, as far as uh, building wealth. So well, um, anything that's, else? Uh, no, I think that's it. Uh, any uh, news of the day that looks like the Build Back Better plan? I think from Biden looks like it may be approved. Uh, I know some things were stripped through, stripped out of it, but take a look at that because there are some social things that will probably really help people out. Like I think the 
the um, daycare thing is still in there of like three to four years old now, like eventually will be like fully funded public school for them. So you won't have to pay for, you know, daycare when they're that age. And there's several other things that are, you know, that are in there. I think paid parental leave was taken out, but it's something interesting to look at, you know, is this going to affect, you know, a lot of people. Cool. Cool. I have a uh, black business of the day. That's actually a former guest of ours. Kendra Jackson, he, um, he, I guess he must have listened to our great resonation and he's at the same <laughs> company no more. <laughs> no, no, he moved before that, but still, I mean, you know, same, same premise though. So he mm-hmm. moved, so I, you know, he, he gave us some great information. He obviously knew what he was talking about. So I wanted to give his new information out there in, in case somebody wants to, um, to reach out to him. He said, need any information about purchasing or refinancing a home? Please reach out to our good friend of the show, Kendrick Jackson, with Caliber Home Loans. His telephone number is 972-798-5466 or email at kendrick.jackson at caliberhomeloans.com. I'm going to read that real quick. K-E-N-D-R-I-C-K dot J-A-C-K-S-O-N at C-A-L-I-B-E-R-H-O-M-E-L-O-A-N-S.com. Over a decade of a mortgage-related experience and let him know uh, BFI sent you for special promotions and discounts. So go ahead and get that discount, you know. But yeah, so that was the Black Business of the Day. Uh, we have anything else? Man, that's it, I think. That's it. Okay. Go right, get the book. Yeah, right, get that book, please, please, for real. I want everybody to be on the same page with this. Yeah, mm-hmm. please do. Um, all right. Well, as always, thank y'all. Um, please go check out our Instagram, our Facebook. Just type in Black Financial Initiative. It'll pop right up. Please tell a friend. Give us a five-star rate on Apple. Y'all have a good day. Bye. Peace. All right. Everybody out. <laughs>